0: I am so pro-male and male leadership, I have to say, because when you really look at the way the brain is wired, men's brains are so gorgeous and they're so strategic that they literally, the brain, can think about one thing at a time. It compartmentalizes. Women, on the other hand, their brains, everything connects. And so they think about lots of things all at one time and how everything connects. Not that a man can't do that and not that a woman can't compartmentalize. I'm talking natural bent of the way the brain is made. So the challenge is, is that women will think men can't do it without them. And men will think we don't need women. We really need each other. And it's really key because think about it for a second. If you're, if you're a strategist and you're the general in an army, that's what I like to talk about men being, right? Because why? They can, once they have all the information, make a strategic decision because they can compartmentalize. The challenge is is that sometimes men don't see how everything connects because the woman is more kind of like the war strategist. She can see the whole picture and how everything connects and can advise on that, and then decisions can be made. Now again, not that a man can't do that, not that a woman can't make a decision, but I think the combination is where the power lies.
1: This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking your leadership skills to the next level. Whether you are a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember, leaders make things happen. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to episode 36. This is part two of a two-part interview on women and leadership with Catherine Lee, who's based in Southern California and is an amazing uh, woman of wisdom. She's a corporate trainer. She's a motivational speaker. She's a life coach, and she's so much more. You can find out all about Catherine at theultimatesource.org. and I ask her to talk about women and leadership, and leadership especially from a woman perspective. And you know what? I got a whole lot more than I bargained for in this amazing interview. If you like this stuff, you can reach out to Catherine and I would love to hear from you. Tweet about it. Give us some great reviews on iTunes. If you like it, that just helps spread the word about this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And let's listen in now to this face-to-face interview with Catherine Lee. Okay, let's keep this conversation going about leadership. Uh, and I want to get to uh, some more conversation about, again, I just came from an interesting leadership retreat with 51 males. And uh, my journey at World Venture started that way. When I took over, the whole leadership team was all males. And one of my journeys was not only to make it more informal, but to bring women into leadership. Mm-hmm. Today at World Venture, there are women on the board, on the leadership team. But as you look out there, it's a problem, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So. I, I think the biggest problem is that part of it is we don't see it as a problem. <laughs> Some people don't see that as a problem. And and on both ends of the spectrum, I think. You're we right. Don't
1: people don't see, see it as the a problem. men don't see it right. as a problem. Well,
0: and what's interesting is it can be both ends of the spectrum. I am so pro-male and male leadership, I have to say. Because when you really look at the way the brain is wired men's brains are so gorgeous, and they're so strategic that they literally the brain can think about one thing at a time, it compartmentalizes. Women, on the other hand, their brains, everything connects. And so they think about lots of things all at one time, and how everything connects, not that a man can't do that. And not that a woman can't compartmentalize, I'm talking natural bent of the way the brain is made. So the challenge is, is that Women will think men can't do it without them. And men will think we don't need women. We really need each other. And when it, right. it's key. It's really key because think about it for a second. If you're, if you're a strategist and you're the general in an army, that's what I like to talk about men being. Right. Because why? They can, once they have all the information, make a strategic decision because they can compartmentalize The challenge is is that sometimes men don't see how everything connects because the woman is more kind of like the war strategist. She can see the whole picture and how everything connects and can advise on that and then decisions can be made. Now again, not that a man can't do that, not that a woman can't make a decision, but I think the combination is where the power lies. I
1: agree. I do believe in this thing called women's intuition. Yes. And when I would be hiring key people even men onto my team i had this wonderful assistant joyce who had such amazing intuition mm-hmm. i would never hire anybody that she didn't agree to yes and she she saw some things i never saw and yeah. then you take that into a meeting and how many meetings are one-dimensional if you don't have the woman's
0: perspective 100 percent. the power yeah. of intuition is something that we've never quite been able to put our finger on. But the fact that they were both created and it says from the beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. Why? Do we ever ponder that question, especially in leadership? I think mm. it's something for people to think That's a about. Good question. Yeah. Whether it be leadership in the home. Or whether it be leadership in the marketplace, it's a good question for everyone yeah. to ask.
1: Can you tell me about a big lesson you learned through a failure in your leadership?
0: Oh, <laughs> which one is the question? I know
1: <laughs> failure is the back door to success. It,
0: no question. That's in a fact, that's a
1: great book by Erwin Lutzer. We talked about him years ago.
0: So tell me the name of his book failure, again. Failure:
1: The Back Door to Success. Love I mean, that's that. probably a thirty-year-old book, but it was uh, one of those aha things for me. You know, all through our life, we need to see failure that way.
0: Yes. I Absolutely. In fact, I'm one of my niches and one of our 12 life areas in our program, the ultimate source is goals and organization. And one of the key tenants that we teach is that failure is the step to success, because mm-hmm. without failure, you can't see or gauge anything. So I teach three things in failure and then I'll answer your oh, question because this, is, right. how, this, this is, is how, this is how I learned. Will anybody
1: out there listening have any failure?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. This is why I know we can talk about this because yes. we've all experienced it. Even if we don't want to admit it, we have experienced failure. So my failures, you say name one. I could tell you several, which I'll tell a specific one in a moment. But this is what they taught me is that every goal that we set, We want to experience failure, meaning it's never going to go perfectly. And if it is, you're in denial to a certain degree, or you're not surrounding yourself with people that are telling you the truth. So the path to success is when we have a failure, there's three questions to ask. And I like to call a failure a setback, because a setback is a setup for a comeback if you will step back and ask these three questions. And the question is, what went wrong? Tell yourself the truth or get somebody around you that will. That's really important. So what went wrong? What would I do differently next time? That's the learning. That's the strength. That's the lifting the weight, to strengthen the muscle, right? So what went wrong? What would I do differently next time? And the third is who can help me? Because a lot of times we don't know the answer to that second question of what would I do differently next time. And that's where humility comes in, where we say, you know, I don't know. I'm going to have to ask some perspective from a woman, get her intuition or from another man who's gone before me. It's really key to ask those questions.
1: I had a podcast. uh, If you go on my uh, com on my podcast directory, I did a podcast uh, about six episodes ago on the seven great failures in my career in leadership. And I pounded away in that thing. Here's what I did wrong. And my whole teaching point is the same. You have to reflect and analyze what happened. You can learn a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you don't reflect, step back. I love it.
0: That's great. Yeah. I agree. Because it's key. It's really key. And yeah. then you get better. Because once you've had a setback and it's set you up, you can come back stronger. That's right. And wiser. And now you don't have to ever make that failure again. To, yes. Especially to that degree. So one of my greatest failures, to answer the specific question, is... I had somebody in my organization of influence that there was a conflict and a lot of women, and this is where I will have gender differences. Women like to avoid conflict, right? We're natural nurturers. We want to build up. Now, women also can be the worst critics of each other because they compare themselves. So I always say comparison is emotional cancer, right? Because what it does is it starts to eat away at you and them. It creates gossip and and all these things and wow. you never
1: a comparison is, is emotional, emotional cancer.
0: cancer and i think women men deal with it but men kind of look at somebody different from them or ahead of them as as let competition. me competition yes. and i want to be better and, yes. it, and they excel with it yes. where women they diminish themselves because of it and i it's wow. a powerful lesson for women And then when there's conflict, because we're comparing, we don't want to get into conflict with each other, both because of our beautiful nature of nurturing and building up and creating life, that's a woman's foundation, but also because there's this shame blame thing around our comparison with each each other. So there was a conflict and I went to avoidance. Hmm. I went to, I'm going to act like it's not happening. I'm going to smile and say, oh, fine, fine. (laughs) Everything's fine. And it just festered. And then I was at a situation with this person and she said one thing and I snapped and I I was embarrassed the way I acted. It was really, I was shocked by who came out in me, but it was this festering thing, this offense that then didn't get dealt with, dealt with honestly Right, because that's the other thing. Men are really great at just telling each other the truth. But not everybody. Not everybody. Even men are conflict avoidance. Are they? Some men. Yeah, well, I'm good. I'm just uh, <laughs> leading a retreat
1: next week with a leadership team, and we're using the TKI, which is the most well-known conflict assessment tool. Mm-hmm. And there are people that are... Conflict avoiders.
0: Yeah, and that's a, a lot of times from background and the way that they were raised, oh, and so that yeah. triggers old feelings. Listen, I'm a conflict
1: avoider because I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. Oh. okay. Adult children of alcoholics—they have um, their house was filled with chaos, mm. and so they just went to avoidance because it was so painful to see all the conflict.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so you grow up and you say, I, "Conflict makes me so uncomfortable. I'm going to run from it. I'm going to
0: run from it." And yeah. I think maybe. You're teaching me, even as we're talking, that's the power of this kind of situation where we're talking honestly, is that we perceive men as not doing that because they avoid it in a different way. It doesn't look like it's being avoided. And maybe that's a negative for men because they don't. it takes longer for, for it to resolve or ever show up.
1: Well, here's an interesting insight I learned. In ministry leadership especially, there are a lot of conflict avoiders mm-hmm. and conflict accommodators. And why is that in ministry? It's because of the spiritual layer we put on top of things. And we say it's unspiritual for Christians to fight. Mm. Mm. And so we think it's somehow ungodly to have conflict. So we bury it and stuff it. And then guess what happens? We have the meeting after the meeting. Right. And we chew everybody up behind each other's backs.
0: Yeah. And that the challenge with that is without strain, there's no strength. Right? If you lift weights... If, Without if
1: strain, there's, there's no, no strength. strength. So yes, conflict
0: can be wonderful. Good oh my gosh, it's as incredible. As long as it's
1: resolved, that's my whole purpose of what I do in this retreat is to help people learn conflict is good if it's dealt with in a healthy way, exactly, and resolved.
0: And let me teach you the tools of yes, how to deal with it healthy because exactly. that's what I learned from that embarrassing moment. Is I went to find out why do I avoid conflict. Why, why did this in particular, this person challenge me in that way? And we looked at all the issues. So when there's strain, if you're, if you're lifting a weight, it's the strain that brings the strength to the muscle. So in conflict, it's not fighting. And I want to distinguish that for people. Cause like you said, Christians say it's unchristian to fight. It doesn't have to be a fight.
1: No, it doesn't have to be a fight. It
0: can be a constructive talk with the tools, even with, if it escalates a break, right? Because if things get too emotional, our brain, they call it flooding, The brain, the the executive part of the brain that makes clear decisions and conscious decisions will shut down if too much emotion is in for about 20 minutes. So sometimes we have to learn in conflict to take a break and go, okay, let's step back, right? And we, in in the ultimate source, we call that rest and relaxation. To ta- that's the, using the life area of rest and relaxation. When you're in the challenge area of having toxic people or you've become a toxic person or stress yes. or fear, now we can rest and relax, take a 20-minute break, come back. But but people do need the tools, and it's why you do yes. what you do. It's why I do what yeah. I do. Because Some people don't know how to deal with conflict.
1: Yeah. And, and what happens, as you said, if you avoid it and stuff it and you hope it's going to get fixed... Yeah. It won't. It won't. It won't. It gets worse. It gets
0: worse, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: awesome. So that
0: was my greatest failure. But it Thank it you. taught me, talk about getting stronger, that was an area of, of our entire program. We had never had conflict resolution in our entire program for years. But once that happened, it showed me the big glaring spot yeah. of what we needed to go to. It,
1: so many teams shut down because of the, they don't have good conflict resolution skills. Yes. Okay, back to teams and women. So I think, uh, do you agree, the best leadership team is got men and women on it?
0: I do. Yeah. I-, I can't help but do that because of not only how the brains are wired, but the way that the perspective that men have versus women. And the key is, is to not polarize men and women to where they're just like this and we're just like that, but to literally get in and create that union that is a powerful strength to have perspective from all angles. That's what men and women yeah. bring together.
1: Let's drill down just a little deeper on that question of what do women uniquely provide to a leadership team that an all-male leadership team lacks. Yeah. Yeah let 's just say it another way, yeah uh, what what do you see that the women bring to quote the the literal table
0: mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. well, we can talk intuition, but for most men that have never considered this that 's too airy fairy it 's okay. too up there it 's not right. as tangible, but I do agree completely if you have never experienced a woman in your life that had good intuition you 're missing out yeah, <laughs> because you they are. will save a ton of stress and pain, so it, definitely intuition, but I also want to talk some real concrete aspects is women will see how each step affects another. They will see how one area will affect another area that will affect another area. And a lot of times men don't like to go there because they're compartmentalizing. They don't want to look at that piece. But women will almost inevitably say, have you considered, And and I think that's a really key phrase for women to learn, and men too, is, have you considered when we are somebody is really giving a powerful perspective if you come in and you challenge it in a negative way then it shuts people down but if you say wow that is powerful or i'm really seeing that have you considered this additional component now it's like adding a piece to a puzzle it's bringing in strength around yeah,
1: it she's she's not perceived as just shooting down this man's idea right right i like that cuz if we go considered.
0: if if we go back to you know you talked about being an old adult child of an alcoholic and how that made you conflict avoidant at a season of your career well a lot of times there are people that have had women issues in their life you know mm-hmm. with a with a mom trying to overmother smother right a smothering mother okay. a smother right. Right? a smother I've never heard of before <laughs> yeah. So if you had a smother, you're not going to you're not going to work as well with women at first. If you had a wife that's controlling because she's using her power in the wrong way. See, my favorite women and women, I hope you're all listening to me when I say this is a woman who is at ease with her strength and her power. And when a woman is at ease with her strength and her power, there is nothing more beautiful than that because she's vulnerable and she's powerful. And when a woman can be in the marketplace at ease with her power, men won't feel that manipulation. They won't feel that same kind of smother, even if they had issues with being passive aggressive or controlling women in their life, it breaks down. The gender difference isn't seen in the same way with a woman that comes in that honors men. I, I am a huge proponent of honoring men because women, I mean, we just truly need men in our world. And then with women will come in at ease with their strength and power and partnership. See, I, I feel like what happened, you know, in the past decades is that women were trying to rise up. And I do believe there needs to be a rising up with women. They solve problems. Women are problem solvers to the nth degree. If you look back over history, the radical shifts that happen, how often women were behind them. So they solve problems beautifully. But what happened was there was, you know, a whole, women's lib and I'm not going to get into the whole spectrum of that because I fall all over the spectrum depending on the issue we're talking about (laughs) right right? but what I want to say is is that it created an extremist attitude in by pushing men we're better than we're smarter than we're you know excluded and and men have done the same thing to women partnership is the key
1: okay I want to delve just for a moment into a question I didn't prep you for okay but but it's about the church's view of women in Mm. leadership Mm. which is a murky topic you can get lost in but it frustrates me that people take the you know the the issue what some of the things the bible says about you know women need to submit to men's authority and all that and some people use that as their justification not to have women in leadership right how do you respond to that
0: wow big question (laughs) like you said it is it's a murky place to go and because i have such honor for men um and i was raised in the bible belt with a lot of messages around women not being cer- in certain positions of leadership so what i'm going to answer is from my own personal experience and from a biblical perspective that i believe with all my heart jesus constantly had women in ministry he constantly when he whether it Good be point. yeah whether it be in isaiah or it be in revelation it talks about men and women rising up and that there is a powerful place for women and men. And when you look at um, the Proverbs 31 woman, so I always challenge people, don't take that one scripture out of context. We do that all the time. We do. With the Bible. We do. And if you look at two things, put it in context of the entire Bible, but number two, put it in context of who was being talked to at the time and for what reason. Because maybe in that position, in that conversation, something was out of line And so, we were bringing things back into balance, but that same scripture that's always used out of context, right, says that men should love their wives as Christ loved the church, right, which was such sacrificial love that he would lay his life down. Every woman in the world would submit to that kind of male leadership. Every woman in the world, if they felt that safe, that they were loved to that degree, they would absolutely submit to that kind of leadership.
1: We're listening to a powerful interview with Catherine Lee about women in leadership. So join me as we continue this fascinating discussion with Catherine Lee. You know, uh, Jesus had women on his uh, extended leadership team mm-hmm. around him, just like he said. And uh, I just had an aha moment recently after Easter that uh, after the crucifixion, all the men bailed, mm-hmm. but the women were there. Yes. <laughs> I just thought yes. that was, uh, they did not bail.
0: Oh, man, I got chills from the top of <laughs> that, my head down to my feet. I'm going to be looking into that yeah, one and thinking about faith. that. The, the, all the men lost faith. Yeah. And, and it was a woman that he first said, go, yeah. you know, and tell. So right. you know, she was there. She was there. Yeah, she was like, willing.
1: Go hunt the men up and find them. Yeah. And, tell and when we're going to be OK, when
0: we really read, you know, from from cover to cover scripturally, there were such powerful women that led. You know, with Deborah and Rahab, and it didn't matter where they came from, all the way to Revelation that says our sons and daughters. So we really need to just, again, think about why is it, why from the beginning did it say it is not good for man to be alone? And then if we go all the way to the end, that it says, you know, together that the whole church will rise up. So where that is placed is really, you know, within the individual household and situation, but we need to be really wise about it.
1: Uh, Shift to one more topic. We're almost out of time, but um, I hear from people a lot who work for bosses that are jerks. (laughs) They work for leaders they don't respect. I get a lot of followers in this that listen to my podcast. I mean, I get emails from people. It's just heartbreaking, some of the jerks Mm. that they have to work under, especially in the world of education that your brother works in, (laughs) (laughs) and the government and military. Mm -hmm. But what would you say to somebody who's suffering under bad management, bad leadership. Mm. What advice would you give to somebody like that?
0: Yeah, I think the first thing would be to acknowledge it, to say how hard that is, just like you're saying right now. I think that covers a lot of wounds. to just say, wow, that stinks that that you do. Number two, I always challenge people to look at why they consider this a bad leader. Maybe it's that introvert, extrovert, processor thing that we talked about, that they're taking direction and then that person doesn't know how to communicate. So covering and creating some grace around that. And then even looking at our own stuff, do they trigger something in you? One of my favorite questions is when I see somebody, maybe on a scale of one to 10, I say, how are you reacting to this jerk boss? And then and they may very well just be a jerk. Let's face yeah. it, that exists in the world. But on a scale of one to 10, if they're reacting at a seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, probably this person is triggering something In their past. So I'll ask them, where else in life have you felt this way? Where else in life have you felt diminished? Where else in life have you felt that somebody tells you one thing and and does another, and that it's triggering that extreme response of a seven to a 10. And inevitably, they'll say, you know, in my bad marriage, or my growing up my dad or my mom, and so once we identify that, again, we can compartmentalize it. So when you're in relationship with that person, you can put away the feelings that don't really have anything to do with them. It's just triggering an old wound. And then you can deal with them, you know, about an inch deep instead of, you know, three feet deep in your response. So, and then my final piece of advice was go get another job or have yeah. them have them call yeah. me or Hans or me no, and I, Hans, even better.
1: <laughs> I know, I did another podcast recently on how do you know when it's time to leave. Mm-hmm. And, and if you just cannot respect that person... And it's not going to change. You should
0: leave. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: you work a lot with leaders. You help leaders a lot. I respect you so much and in your influence. Uh, what are some other problem areas other than pride that you see that you help leaders overcome? Mm. Uh, what are some of the big stumbling blocks? And you're, you have your six areas, which I just love, and your your and your and 12 life lessons. Life areas. Life areas. Can you think of a couple of other... Things that you see leaders struggling with that you love to help them with.
0: Yeah. Well, one is something that you taught me, and I didn't tell you I was going to say this, so I'm not just (laughs) stroking your ego here. The toxic people challenge area that we have. We all have toxic people in our life. Either they trigger something in us, or it's a bad day, or we're the toxic person. But let's say you have a toxic person. This is what that challenge area has to do with. I'll never forget when I read in your book, I see a lot of leaders concede to the vocal minority. I'll yes. never forget that term. I quote you all the time. And what that means, for, for in put it in context of your writing, was that a leader hears those squeaky wheel people, the, that vocal minority of people that's complaining or saying we should go in this direction. And they're the minority, but they're vocal. And so the leader shifts. Maybe they're conflict avoidant leaders. They are. Or right? accommodators. Or accommodators. They just want to make
1: peace, right. keep the peace. Right.
0: And that's difficult because now you're moving in a direction with a minority of people that may not have any credence to what they're saying. They may not have truly any intelligence around their decision. They're maybe being triggered by something, or maybe they have a passionate position, but you haven't considered the whole picture. Yeah. I think that's important. And oftentimes important. they
1: have an agenda, a hidden agenda, a not-so-hidden agenda. It's often preserving tradition. I see this in church leadership a lot, where a small group of powerful people in the church mm-hmm. will force the church to will keep it from progressing, keep yes. it from changing. Yes. And a lot of times they're trying to preserve the old status quo and their power in the system.
0: Oh, I'm watching it right now in an organization where this new wave of what it, kind of Gen wires, if you're a Gen yes. wire, it, you're, you know, 18 to, I know it doesn't go quite to 35, but this group of people that's creating this huge wave and the old guard, so to speak, is so scared and resistant to it. And yet, this is what I always say. We need the excitement and passion and perspective of the new with the wisdom of the old guard.
1: Absolutely. So
0: we don't, again, just like men and women, we don't need to be polarized or afraid. Let's learn from each other and let's all be relevant together for this age.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because that was the last point I was going to make about, uh, again, this group I just got finished training. A wonderful group of men.
0: Yes. (laughs) There
1: was one person in the group that was 26 years old, Mm -hmm. everybody else was generally 50 and above. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I applauded these people that they had this 26-year-old in there. So the best team is not only men and women, but people of all ages.
0: Absolutely. No question. And by the way, may I please say in all cultures, all colors, could we please for once get colorblind in leadership and our organizations you know, one of my dear friends said one time, we all bleed red. What is the problem? And see, I grew up not knowing it. my heritage, even though I look very ethnic. I have, my dad was adopted, so we don't know where the ethnic look comes from. So I've never seen for that purpose, don't see prejudice, but we don't have perspective from all cultures. And we are in an age where we need global view. That's we right. need a global view we and do, a global influence. Because our own
1: country here, America, the world has moved into our neighborhood.
0: Oh, yes. And we
1: can't continue this monocultural
0: thing. No, not in our churches, not in our schools, not in our we need to learn from each other, men and women, age ranges and cultures. And that's when the berries will come down. That's where the family, true family, global family. Right. Not just the core family, which I believe will be positively influenced, but the global family will rise up and talk about leadership. We'll all be leaders in our own realms.
1: I love it. Thank you so much, Catherine. I wanted to have you on my show because I respect your leadership so much. Mm. And for the listeners out there who are men, my message to you is don't be afraid
0: Mm.
1: of women helping you lead better. Yeah, that's my message. How can people get in touch with you?
0: Well, truly, our website, at TheUltimateSource.org.
1: TheUltimateSource.org. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have that on my uh, listening notes.
0: Awesome. And Um, they can always email us at info, I-N-F-O, info at TheUltimateSource.org as well. And I'll have some information
1: about you on my podcast notes at HansSpinzel.com. Thank you
0: so much for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure, Hans.
1: This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.